I was cleaning my dad's car out, and then when I looked under the floorboard, I found a package. I look, and I look at him, and I just run inside. I start calling my wife, hey, hey babe, you gotta come check this out. And that's when we dump it on the bed, just money falls out all over the bed. I immediately thought, I need to find out who this belongs to. That would not have been my first question. My first question, if I found $9,000 in cash under a floor mat in the vehicle that I just purchased was where's the closest bank that I belong to and what time do they close? Just being honest. Why are you at that? That's terrible. Well, but I'm again, I'm just being honest. Okay. The conversation's coming up during this episode of My Second Act. My name is Cadillac Jack. I joined Atlanta Radio when I was 19 years old, put in a loyal 26 years. Welcome to my second act. My name's Donna and I'm Caddy's wife. It is Mercury Retrograde coming up. What is that? You know how I feel about that. I, I don't because I don't know what it is. This, this, this for me, the stuff that the, the, what, the Mercury Retrograde to me, this is like uh, horoscopes and things. It, it, well, it kind of is. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, it well, kind of is. Well, I want to say that from my perspective, they just don't matter and it's ridiculous. Well, it does matter. And I've told you before, in past Mercury retrogrades, there was one time when you had a contract up during Mercury retrograde and I would not let you sign it. I said, we need to stall them for another week because things go haywire. And What, what is it? Well, it's just like, okay, so what happens is the, the moon is going backwards, right, Carl? So it's, and it's just like this period of time. So it starts, just so you know, on May 29th and it does not end until June 22nd. It's three and a half weeks, Okay. And it just, it mixes everything up. So the way it has to do with um, zodiac signs is for this particular one, Mercury is going to retrograde through Gemini, which you are. Am I? Yes. Okay. Okay, so this is going to be a problem. So just what you, what normally happens during Mercury retrograde, just so you know, is like your schedule gets messed up, people act crazy. And I mean, this has been going on in my life for the past week and a half, some in your life for the past week and a half. It's happening in real time. And so because it's going through Gemini, I want to tell you how it's going to affect you as your sign. Okay, listen to this. Lots of crossed wires, ghosted texts, and a general struggle to get your point across. It will be easy for you to accidentally send people mixed signals, so it'll help to be extra conscious of how you're presenting yourself. Our words can easily be misinterpreted during this period, so try to look at yourself through the right, eyes stop, of others. Stop, stop, because every single, and I don't believe in this shit, Every single thing that you just said is happening is has happened in my life in the past four days. Yes. And I don't want to know. anymore. Well, I got to read you for mine for because uh, I'm a Leo sure. and because I love to be a Leo because I'm a Leo. OK, so here's what's going to happen. If I have to collaborate with others like you, I want to take extra care when it comes to organization and clarity. Team projects at work could suffer delays, miscommunication, and the chaos could spill into your social life, too. We can't have that. Steer, Not your social life. Steer clear of gossip and rumors. Please. Um, well, interesting to you, uh, you have like a bunch of merchandise floating on a cargo ship out in the Pacific Ocean right now that you can't get to. Exactly. That can't get to your store. Right. Uh, I sent someone a text just yesterday that said, your husband is an effing jerk. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, and there's been, that's interesting. Yes. And you were very difficult to, to communicate with last night. So I, I'm just going to blame it on Mercury retrograde. So I do believe in this. I have always believed in this. Do not sign a contract right now. Don't buy a car. Don't buy a house. Don't take a new job. Just wait. Just put it on pause. I don't know if you can wait till June, but you need to wait. Well, I, mean, I need to tell, you know, like Keith Rockdale Bone, one of our biggest listeners, he's getting ready to retire and he put on Facebook that he was getting ready to sign his papers. I need him not to sign his papers right now. Until after the retrograde. The retrograde and the moon gets going back the right way. And that's again when? June 22nd. All right. Can't come soon enough, huh? Yeah. Now you're a believer. Uh, I don't know that I'm a believer, but everything that you said about the Gemini and the Mercury retrograde so far has has been playing out in my life in the Mm -hmm. past few days. Yep. And I, you know what? We we both came into the studio today to record this episode, and we actually didn't have much time to talk at all. I apologize for being an ass. Oh, wonderful. Last night. I love that. But you weren't you weren't defending me. And so I kind um, of I, why are we having this conversation? I was defending you. You weren't though. Actually, I was. If you're listening and you are a spouse and you, this is how this happens. I I I defend you all the time. What I said that made you so mad is that and it wasn't and it wasn't I told you so because your mm-hmm. spouse never wants to hear I told you. It was told, something very close to that. No. Right? Yes, it was. Okay, but your spouse never wants to hear I told you so. No, you don't. What I was trying to say that you are understanding, perhaps because of Mercury Mercury retrograde, is I knew and I told you looking down the road, because I had had dealings with this person, what was going to happen. And you, and right, and you're very sweet about this. You were very sweet about it, that you said to me, I'm going to choose to believe that that's not going to happen. That he's not an effing jerk. Right. And that this, and, and so I wasn't saying like, and that's where we got off track because you were like, I knew you were going to be like, I told you, I wasn't saying, I told you so, I got you, I got you. What I was saying is it's better that it played out with just you. As opposed to. The 10 people that this person was going to ex- be exposed to. That's all I was saying. And I've dealt with this person and you guys kind of laughed me off when I had issues with this person because it was kind of a fun, it, it was a funny interaction, but it wasn't. And so all I was trying to say to you was, listen, this is not, and I said that it's probably not going to end well. And you're very sweet and you wanted it to end well and you wanted to include this person in it. So you don't y'all love this that we're doing conflict resolution live in the podcast. But that was my point. You took it and that's what's happening. Sometimes this happens when you're like, when you're dating someone, when you're talking to your kids, the person is hearing what they want to hear. You came into that discussion thinking I was going to be all gleeful. Like I told you so, I told you so. That wasn't it. It was Thank the good Lord that all of this person's craziness got exposed to you. Because if you had vouched for this person and then they had gone on and to met do, with other yeah, people, the committee, what a disaster. And then in your, I think your take was it was going to reflect poorly on you. It hasn't. It's just you. If it had gone further, it probably would have. So that's that. But all I appreciate right. your apology. Well, we can wrap up the episode. Can't we? Yep. There right we now. go. Okay. That's all we have. Uh, coming up this episode, uh, Jeffrey Jackson is going to join us. Jeffrey's on the My Second Act podcast panel of experts. He's a managing partner of the Jackson Brubaker Law Firm. And the question I th- that we're going to get an answer from Jeffrey on is a conversation you're already having with your friends and your neighbors and your coworkers. And that is, listen, can can my employer mandate, can they make me take the vaccine? Yeah, so many questions. And, and what are what are my rights as an employee or what are your rights as the owner of a business? Yeah, and I know for me personally, you know, I have been vaccinated. I think my biggest 
question, which we also posed to, to Jeffrey, but just my question in life when we're talking about vaccines and vaccine and unvaccinated is my kids, because I'm just not 100% there yet. And I know that sounds crazy because I've been vaccinated and I understand science and all of that. I just, it seems such like a heavy decision. And it's our decision together. It's not just mine, you know, and it's also our kids decision because, you know, as we've discussed before, when your kids get to be 21, 20, you know, 18, 19, they can make their own decisions. But, you know, I have one child who wants to be vaccinated. I have one who doesn't want to be vaccinated. And I'm just progressing cautiously. Let me just say that. It doesn't mean I'm an, I am not an anti-vaxxer. I have never been. But for me, the biggest conversation and discussion around this is what do you do with your kids? You know, is it, do you do it? Do you do it right now? Do you wait? Do you, I don't know. So. All right. Jeffrey's going to join us. Segment two of this episode. Uh, we are in Alfreda, Georgia, 30 miles north of downtown Atlanta at the Appen Media Group and Appen Podcast Network. On my way here today from our home, I went through four different roundabouts and two four-way stops. They're everywhere up here in North Fulton County. I had this thought the other day, Donna. If I owned an insurance company, you know, uh, auto insurance company, I would send adjusters to four-way stops and to roundabouts and have them watch your driving habits to determine the risk and how much your uh, payment's going to be. Uh-oh, I'd be in trouble. Think about it, though. You can, you can watch someone navigate a roundabout and know within three seconds if 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 they are uh, a risky driver. Meaning Agree? how, though? Um, well, you can watch them. I mean, are, do they jump into the roundabout and just floor it and, and spin? It. Because we have... Uh, Charlotte, our 15-year-old daughter, has her permit. And so we're driving, we're, we're riding as her parents, but she's driving a lot. And we're riding and watching her drive and, and process in her mind different things. And, and roundabouts and four-way stops can be very, very tricky. Very tricky for new drivers. She told me you made well, her I mean, go around the, a roundabout four times. I did. I did. I said, stay, because she, I wanted her to get it down. She said, Mama, and, I was dizzy. And to know what it felt like to be in that roundabout. We have some up here in North Fulton County that are two lanes double roundabouts yeah. and so i said i want you to get in the center lane and i just want you to drive in circles she's I mean, like what do you mean daddy i said i just don't get out of the roundabout i just want you to drive in circles to so that you can see where the other cars are positioned as they come into the roundabout how people exit but you are very much the the, the law of navigating a roundabout really doesn't matter what yeah. matters is how risky is that person getting ready to jump in the roundabout yeah. And I mean, I've had some like if you ever with a roundabout, like I've had some close calls where I'm like, where'd that person come from? Yeah. Like I'm going right and they're coming straight. It's like, whoa, I almost got T-boned. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. Dominique Wilkins, sit down. Sit down, Dominique Wilkins. I'm so tired of this. I'm so tired of this. And you you advised us or advised me to not have this conversation during the podcast. And I'm going to do it. Here we go. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is the beauty of a podcast. You can say what's on your mind. If you agree with me, fantastic. If you don't, that's okay too. We can still be friends. Here's the story that's consuming the news cycle in Atlanta and on ESPN because Dominique Wilkins is a Hall of Famer and Dominique Wilkins can't do wrong. Dominique Wilkins was an Atlanta Falcon. Dominique Wilkins. He wasn't a Falcon. I'm he, sorry, Hawk. Hawk. Dominique Wilkins is no better than anybody else. And there's a. Well, now he, but, but he is a better basketball player than most people. Okay. But as a person. Right. Dominique Wilkins is no better than anybody else. He goes to a restaurant in Buckhead. Le Bibliothèque. Okay, whatever that is. They have a dress code. A lot of restaurants where you live and eat and where we live and eat have dress codes. They, as business owners, can set those dress codes. Dominique Wilkins shows up 
in a tracksuit and wants to be seated with his party for dinner. And they refuse to do that because he was not abiding by the restaurant's dress code, dress policy. Now, he said it was a couture. Uh, I, I don't care. It's a tra- I could care less the brand. Yeah. It's a tracksuit, dude. It's a tracksuit. But Dominique Wilkins decides he did not get seated because he's a black man. <gasps> I'm black. And that's the reason that they refused to serve me at this restaurant. Shut up, Dominique Wilkins. That has nothing to do with it. You want to stir the freaking pot. And it pisses me off. Well, what I said to you, what you and I disagreed over is I, I do think yeah. that it's okay to have a dress code. And, and I, you know, I don't know. I wasn't there. We weren't there. We don't know. I'm assuming the manager said he was turned away for the dress code. Um, I've been to this restaurant and it's um, it's very it's a very diversified restaurant. The chef de cuisine at Le Bibliothèque is a black man, um, and it's um, in the shops of Buckhead down in Buckhead. And I've eaten there. Um, I've eaten there probably three times when I worked for um, a magazine and took clients. And I have always seen an incredibly diversified clientele. I'll say that. Have you ever seen anybody in a tracksuit? I don't think so. But. Um, the, the only thing I disagreed with you on is the manager apologized to him and you said he shouldn't have had to apologize. What I was saying is it's okay. I think it was okay for him to say, I'm sorry that we turned you away for the dress code. He wasn't apologizing like, you know, because we turned you away because you were black or because you think that's why we turned you away. He was just saying, I'm sorry, we have a dress code and, you know, we enforce the dress code. Here's a tweet from Dominique Wilkins. In my many years in the world, I've eaten at some of the greatest restaurants in the world, but never have I felt prejudice or been turned away because of the color of my skin until today in Atlanta. And he tagged the restaurant and ended the tweet with a hashtag turned away because I'm black. No, Dominique Wilkins, you were hashtag turned away because you can't read. You were hashtag turned away because you think that you are better than other people. You were hashtag turned away because you didn't. Follow the rules. You were hashtag turned away because you think that you can get away with anything that you want because you're Dominique Wilkins. Sit down, Dominique. Sit down. It had nothing to do with the freaking color of your skin, and it never did. But you want to make this an issue. Don't we have enough of this shit in the world right now where there are truly things happening that should not be happening because of the color of people's skin. Absolutely. Right? Are there not bigger issues, Dominique Wilkins, that you could tackle right now than you wearing a tracksuit into a restaurant and then politely saying, I'm sorry, sir, you're not adhering to the dress code. We're going to have to ask you to leave. Yeah. Why don't you find another problem that's going on, another race problem that's going on in our country right now that could need that, that, that could use your attention and could use – your, your, your platform. Come on. Yeah, your platform. Sit down, Dominique. Well, Sit down. And hopefully, you know, as we've talked about with cancel culture, um, because he, you know, and then he he did the the Hawks um, broadcast and talked about it, you know, on the Hawks broadcast. And hopefully this restaurant doesn't get canceled for that because it is a great restaurant. I'm and, going to eat there today. Well, it's pricey. Okay. Well, and you can't well, go in that outfit. That's well, <laughs> true. <laughs> Well, I could change and I, you know. But my point is, is that, again, there are people who are employed there who are of color and there are patrons who eat there who are of color. So, 
they hopefully it doesn't get canceled because of this larger conversation. And you're right. There are so many things going on, you know, in the world right now that need people like him and people in positions of power to step up. I don't know that this is it. It's not. Yeah. Come on. Oh, you got all worked out. Well, I did. I, I, I did. I, because I'm very, I'm, I'm pissed about yeah. this. Okay. What was your hype song? Oh, it was good. Um, this will make you feel better. It is from the Eli Young Band and it's Saltwater Gospel. Have you ever heard that song? I haven't. It's a great song. Uh, um, Eli Young, just real quick. Eli Young Band, uh, Even If It Doesn't Break Your Heart. Yeah. I think. Yeah, they're great. What's their song? Even, if, mean, it, even if it breaks your heart. Obviously, yeah. That, that one. <laughs> yeah, they're great. And they have some really good songs. And I just love this song. It just looks kind of like a... Album con, I guess? No, it's... um I forgot what's, what it's off of. But it's... um it, A lot of people know about it. It's from Fingerprints, their album Fingerprints. But um it's a great song. Okay. Saltwater Gospel. How about you? Old Dominion. We kind of have a boat theme going. Saltwater Gospel? Yeah. Boat? Old Dominion, I think the most underappreciated and underrated... Uh, group in country music just released a song called i was on a boat that day this is the first new song for old dominion since 2019 so about two years um i whether i think they've had what two three albums through the years i can listen at track one to an old dominion album and go through the entire there there are not many albums where i can do this uh but with all of old dominion's albums i can start at track one and just track the entire thing and listen all the way through i think they put out some fantastic they're just uh they're a great group, and uh, the video was filmed in Key West. And if you need an escape right now, maybe you haven't had a vacation in a while because of the Ooh, pandemic, yeah. just watch this video. Yeah, I love that. And it'll be like taking a vacation. You'll feel like that. All right, so Old Dominion, I was on a boat that day, and Eli Young Band's Saltwater Gospel, both being added to the Donna and Caddy Spotify Hypes on Playlist. Simple search on Spotify. Check it out. Hours and hours and hours of very diverse, because that's what we're all about. Dominique Wilkins on this podcast. Diversity. Is diversity. Um, let's fulfill our... Uh, music portion of the podcast so that we can keep our classification from Apple podcasts. Uh, Luke Bryan has uh, extended his residency that we talked about uh, a few days ago. Didn't, has it even started in Vegas? No. Oh, okay. Uh, launches February 11th of next year. Originally he had six shows and he's added more shows February 23rd, 25th and 26th in Vegas at uh, the theater at resorts world, Las Vegas. I had never heard of this place. I think it's new. I think because they're, ta- I think that's one of the things they're touting like, because this is the same venue that Carrie Underwood's going to be at, right? Uh, Carrie, well, actually, there are four flagship artists that are going to open uh, the venue Celine Dion, Carrie Underwood, and Katy Perry, and Luke Bryan. And it's a 5,000 seat venue with the largest, tallest performance stage in Vegas. The furthest seat back is only 150 feet from the stage. That's it. I mean, that's pretty cool. So, some dates have been added for, uh, for Luke Bryan. We often on the podcast will give you a peek behind the kimono at radio because Donna and I both spent our careers in that business. Uh, Donna on the sales side, and I on the programming side as a, uh, a radio host for 25 years here in Atlanta. And we were talking last podcast, Donna, about new artists and about how a lot of times a record label will force a force, maybe in the word, will suggest that you add a new artist's song in order to get access to a much larger artist on their roster. Right. Right. And think the Morgan Wallen was the conversation from last episode. When you're a new artist and um, you're courting radio, there are a lot of things that are asked of you. Now, I know through the years that uh, it might be a, uh, you know, the, the radio station's signature concert that they have every year. Liners for the radio station. Right. Where you say, I'm, 
I'm uh, Jimmy James, and, and I you're, love you're waking up with uh, the yeah. Nut Crew on Country 98.7 WPRQ. Yeah. And you do those for hours, and radio stations get what are called liners. Uh, another example would be you you could be asked to attend a ribbon cutting at uh, in advanced auto parts. Yes. And by doing these things to the radio station, you as a new artist are building a relationship. Um, but you're, you're, help, you're helping out the radio station. You're banking favors. Here's one for you. Brad Paisley, when he first launched into country music, an unknown artist, played in the um, played at a car dealership here in Atlanta for us in the uh, service department, like mm-hmm. in a bay, like in Bay mm-hmm. 6. <laughs> yeah, we booked him. Like the, the, They had to put the lift up so that, so that Brad Paisley could bring his stool and his guitar in. And I think that there were six people there. I, I Sitting here right now, because we booked that whole event, I can remember after he played, sitting across from him in some chairs. It was you and I and him and I think the record person. And he was asleep, if you remember. He was so tired because they had had him. They're working him to death. Work him out. And, you know, he had been doing all these, they call them grip and grabs, you know, like you're shaking people's hands and talking to program directors. And you may be brought into a program, not anymore, but in the old days of radio where the program director was in the radio station. Now, a lot of times there's one corporate program director, but you would come into their office and literally play a couple of songs for them with Mm -hmm. your guitar. And you would always see people in the hallways coming off the elevators. You didn't know who they were. I remember seeing Kenny Chesney walking around with a ball cap on, not even knowing who he was. And they'd always have their guitars because the label people would bring them in to the program director and sometimes the GM. And the music director. And the music director. And it was kind of awkward. They'd like have to play their songs. And I think it's very awkward for the artist too. Yeah. Yeah. And yes, like, Brad, like a like sing quick, sing. Yeah, there's sing. a cue. You know, and you're literally in a, in an you're in an office. And then afterwards, they're like, "That's great." Yeah. yeah. Remember Gretchen Wilson when she came to the stations? Uh, yep. She was in town, I think, opening up for Kenny Chesney at the, uh, I guess, the Omni, right? Yeah. And um, she she was pretty hot at the time. Uh, Redneck Woman had hit, and probably yeah. three different songs. And she came with a troop of people. Yes. Remember, it was Gretchen Wilson surrounded by like six people. And one of the women, her her job was to carry Gretchen Wilson's caboodle. Yes. And it had Gretchen Wilson's cigarettes in her dip <laughs> and probably some some airplane shot bottles. And some makeup. And a comb. Some makeup, some mascara. Uh, Gretchen didn't wear makeup, I don't know. Yeah, because she, carry, she carried it around that little caboodle. It was silver, remember? Yeah. Because you're like, what, what what's in the nuclear codes? What's what's in the... The caboodle. The caboodle, Gretchen. Some powder and... Yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, along that conversation of things that new artists must do for radio listen to this from blake shelton in birmingham i had to do a breakfast performance at a mcdonald's down there for the radio station and this guy pulls in the mcdonald's and he said i brought something for you and he handed me this little paper sack i looked in the sack and it was a bag of weed i remember thinking oh my god i just got set up i ran to the bathroom and i flushed it all down the toilet you know which i would have never done now right at the time you know i was 24 years old and and, in alabama i was like oh my god I, i just got set up i'm going to jail blake shelton playing at mcdonald's artists do not more an early like for a morning show i'm sure the, i don't know what station this was but i would imagine the morning show has a partnership sponsorship with mcdonald's yeah, like they, free they, coffee tuesday absolutely or with your frequency you know if you're 98.5 country it's 98 cents cup of coffee this morning blake shelton's gonna be serving it up and you're like well who's blake shelton who's that some guy with a mullet at the window blake shelton and like all artists they sleep until two o'clock in the afternoon that's just the way that their world is and so for an artist to get up to do any morning show, but much less to be at a McDonald's in Birmingham, Alabama, 
But like you hear that now and you think, you know, how? Like Blake Shelton's, I mean, he's on The Voice. He's with Gwen Stefani. I mean, like, but everybody has to start somewhere. And most artists, especially in the country format, I don't think it's as much of a deal in rock, but in country, most of it starts from you go on a radio tour. Yeah. And again, you're not on like a big Prevost bus because you haven't made it yet. So a, a Dodge Town and Country wood panel minivan or the the Corolla that the label guy yeah. owns, you know, it's <laughs> personal car. Yeah. And all he does, it's not like you're eating at five star restaurants. He's like using the corporate card to get McDonald's and Chick-fil-A biscuits to hold you over. Always have a fresh home cooked meal ready when you need it most. Dinner affair. Dinner. A-F-A-R-E dot com. This is worth it for you. And if it weren't, we wouldn't waste time with this at all. Ken and Stephanie Wright are the owners of Dinner Affair. They're based here in Atlanta. But hang on. If you're listening anywhere else outside of the Atlanta area, you're not, you're not, uh, uh, you can be a part of this as well. Dinner Affair ships nationwide. And right now, whether you're in Atlanta and they're going to deliver to your front door, or you live in Phoenix or, or Tampa or Denver, they'll ship to your front door. $30 off your first order. The promo code is CADDY2021. CADDY, C-A-D-D-Y. 2021 at dinneraffair.com. Yeah, and don't forget you can use um, Dinner Affair for presents, for new babies, for people who have some had something you know unfortunate happen to them. Um, it's incredibly helpful. Instead of sending flowers, sometimes it's great to send people meals. And yes, if you live outside of the Atlanta area, you are also eligible for a Dinner Affair. But if you live in the Atlanta area and you haven't tried it yet, you need to try it. And now's a great time to jump in. Two to three easy steps to get dinner on the table, 100%, listen to me, 100% guaranteed. There's a money-back guarantee. If you are not happy with dinner affair, listen, I'll drive to your home. Oh, boy. I'll drive, to, and I've done this crap before. I will drive to your home, and I will show you how to prepare dinner affair and how quick it is, and then do like an in-home. That's a great idea. We should do that. If you, okay, if you I order dinner. Talk, let's, yeah. let's talk about this and do this next episode. I love this. This is organic marketing right here, guerrilla marketing. If you order dinner affair in the next week, and you tag us and show us your order, Caddy will come to your house as long as you're like in the, he can't go to Florida or like Denver. But if like you're in the metro kind of area, a little yeah. bit outside the metro, he will come out and prepare your dinner for you. Some restrictions apply. Meaning? With that. I will read the small print with that. Like if they don't have a lot of kids or. All right, dinner affair, dinner, <laughs> A-F-A-R-E.com. Never a contract, money back guarantee, and they do ship nationwide. We welcome from the My Second Act podcast panel of experts, Jeffrey Jackson, managing partner at the Jackson Brubaker Law Firm. And we're going to have a conversation with Jeffrey about uh, your, your company potentially mandating you to have the COVID-19 vaccine. Good morning, Jeffrey. Hey, good morning, Cadillac. How are you? I'm doing well. Say hi to Donna. Hello. Hey, Donna. So we're all on pins and needles. Do we have to be, if our employer tells us that we have to be vaccinated, do we? Uh, well, you as an individual don't necessarily have to listen to your employer. However, uh, the employer, as of now, does have the right to tell you uh, that you do need to get the vaccine. Okay, so could if can they can they terminate your employment if you don't do it? I uh, technically they can terminate your employment due to Georgia being an employment at will state. However, you know a company is going to have other considerations before that they're going to fire an employee before refusal to get a, a COVID vaccination because uh, a, a big company, you know, such as Delta or something else is going to be concerned about their public image. And, and due to the, the state of the media today, you know, 
No, no company is going to want that publicity of an employee fired due to refusal to, to get a vaccination. So a, almost a better practice would be is for the employer to, to provide and or create certain accommodations to allow that employee to stay with the company. Got it. And, and so if you kind of dovetailing on that, if you have kids and say, you know, you have obviously to enter schools, to enter public schools, you have to have certain vaccinations. Are we do you think that we'll start to see that? And is that legal as well, that for colleges and universities that, you know, students are going to be required to have this vaccination to attend? To be honest, I am not sure about how, how it's going to um kind of translate into colleges and universities. I, I think that probably along the same lines where they're, they're going to um, ask for it to be done, ask for the vaccines, um, people to get vaccines, they're, they're going to take precautions, uh, encourage uh, students to take all of these precautions. But I don't believe um, that the universities will, will be able to require this just the same way the, these large employers can't. Uh, it, it, it's a you know, a personal right. So, so I don't think that, that uh, universities will be able to require it. But I, I'm not entirely sure on that issue. That would just be kind of my thought process. Hey, Jeffrey, the EEOC um, provides recommendations, but not requirements to how employers uh, should handle uh, vaccinations with their employees. And they suggest that if an employee wishes to exempt a vaccination requirement, that they should uh, consult with their doctor first and explain their health reasons, right? Correct, yes. And can you say, because I've had a lot of people, um, I've heard people saying that, you know, in the past, if there was a reason that you didn't want to get vaccinated, you could say it was because of a religious reason or or something like that. Do you you still have those rights to do that? Is that correct? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You, you still have all those rights um, to, to object to it, uh, religious reasons, personal reasons, medical reasons, uh, whatever they may be, and it's going to be up to the company to to accommodate uh, the, those reasons why. And again, best practice for the company is going to be finding the accommodations in, instead of termination. So because the, the company is going to be concerned about the public image, so it, it really does kind of provide an incentive for a company to work with the employee uh, to avoid having to terminate based on uh, refusal to get a COVID vaccination. It does kind of open up, though, for like um, companies and big companies and small companies. It does kind of open up a can of worms because then if if, if someone is doesn't want to get vaccinated, then on the other side, could the other employee say, well, I don't feel safe coming to work because, you know, these people are not vaccinated. I mean, it just kind of opens up a whole can of worms that we've never had to deal with probably in, in labor law before. Exactly. It does kind of open up a can of worms because you got one person say they've got a religious objection to to the COVID vaccination who's working side by side with, with you know, somebody that doesn't accommodations made for one person. Um, so what the company is probably going to want to do is, is instead of kind of blowing the refusal to to get the COVID vaccination up and making a big deal about it, uh, kind, kind of scratch that side and, and go about providing accommodations within the company to create a safe environment, to put things in place uh, to make sure that each employee feels safe while, while they're at work instead of, you know, causing some kind of issue between inequality. So they're going to want to provide um, uh, safe measures in the workplace to ensure that, that they're preventing the spread of COVID. It's a touchy subject, you know, on, on so many oh, different yeah. levels, uh, so many different conversation levels. 
the vaccine. Absolutely. The vaccine, yeah, everybody you know? has their own point of view, different point of view. And, you know, it, it seems nowadays that it, it, this has just become a, a very polarizing issue when it doesn't necessarily have to be. Just think about this. There's going to be like in offices, there's going to be cub- there's going to be a cubicle area for the vaccinated and then a cubicle area for the non-vaccinated. Kind of like when you go to the pediatrician <laughs> with your child and there's the sick waiting room. Yes. And the non-sick waiting room. Exactly. Where are you going to go today? Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I feel that, that some of these uh, changes that, that have uh, come into play because of COVID, I fear, especially in the, in the legal system and the courts are going to remain permanent. You know, one example of that is, you know, I do a lot of criminal practice as well. Um, before COVID, all inmates were brought over in person to be in front of a judge. And now they're, they're at the jail. They don't get to get go in front of the judge and they barely know what's going on. So, you know, it, it's all these changes because of COVID that causes a lot of controversy within the legal system. You know, and, and to, to continue that thread, Jeffrey Jackson, um, I was watching about every day of the Derek Chauvin trial in Minneapolis. Uh, this week, by the way, is the one week mark of the death of George one Floyd. Year. One, one year mark, sorry, yes, uh, for the death of George Floyd. And it was it was fascinating to me, someone who is a, a jury consultant. Ugh. And what, Donna? He's not, but anyway. And an <laughs> official a witness, uh, you know, in, in courtrooms throughout the United States. And, 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 you know, it was fascinating for me to watch that trial and how much the courts have had to pivot because of COVID. Like, for instance, you can no longer approach the bench for a sidebar. Everybody would put on a headset like at the drive-thru at McDonald's and have a, conver- a private conversation, you know, uh, the prosecutors and the defense attorneys and with the judge so that the jury couldn't hear what was going on. And, um, you know, I have been involved in the past three weeks and, gosh, probably 30 hours of depositions, which are no longer done uh, right now, anyway, in, in person, everything or most everything has been shifted to Zoom and to video conferencing. And, and I have a, a big fear that the courts are going to leave these measures in place yeah. because because it's easier, it's more convenient. But the problem with that is there's a huge violation of, of due process and other personal rights going on uh, involving you know the, these defendants that can't get in front of a judge because you know, I, I hold a strong belief that uh, any person that has the power to sentence anyone to, to time and confinement needs to be face-to-face with the judge. But because of COVID, that's not taking place, and I fear that it's never going to take place again. So that, that's another consideration to be had with COVID as well. Yeah, it's a huge problem. I mean, nobody wanted to sit on a jury. I mean, most people, it, it, you should, as we've talked about before. It's you your should, civic duty. It's your civic duty, and, and you would want the same for yourself. But, you know, it was hard enough to strike a jury before COVID. Now, I mean, I'm sure it's almost impossible. But you got a jury summons just as well. I right? got a jury summons. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm wondering if, if later you'll be able to be a juror on Zoom oh, and it'll wow. just be I a bunch not. of boxes. You know? Well, what, what they've been doing, uh, and they, they do that here in Clark County, and I'm probably pretty confident they're doing that in the, met, this in the metro area as well. They're taking the trials out of the courtroom and, and they're putting them in convention centers. Uh, so, for example, let, let, let's take Fulton County. They would take it out of the court and go to somewhere, say, you know, the, the World Congress Center, and they would bring all the jurors in that way. So they, they have started to make the accommodations of jury trials, but then you've got these enormous expenses that are going into it as well. So in my opinion, you know, the, the best solution for all of this, uh, all, all these COVID precautions uh, in the courts would be for the courts to try and get back to the way things were before COVID, because they, they worked in a lot of counties, and, and now things have just gotten too difficult. Expenses are out of hand. 
And, you know, a, a lot of people are having rights violated because of this. And it would all trickle down to the taxpayer, too, those expenses, those extra expenses, you know. So. Oh, exactly. They're, they're all going to the taxpayer. And it's a huge amount of expenses that don't necessarily need to be there. Jeffrey Jackson, managing partner, the Jackson Brubaker Law Firm. You may have seen Jeffrey Jackson on Channel 2 pretty recently. Uh, I want to congratulate you about uh, uh, a huge win uh, for you. Just this past Thursday, you had a court hearing awarded $125,000 Um Give me the uh, the background. It was back in February, right, Jeffrey? Yeah, back in February, I, I had a client, two two clients, Megan and Steve, um, come come to my office saying they thought that they had fallen victim to some kind of landlord tenant fraud or something like that. They didn't know they had signed a lease with this guy named Ibrahim Ali, who held himself out to to be a property manager, had keys to the house, garage door openers. They signed a lease with this Ibrahim Ali guy. Next thing they know, they're, they're getting an eviction notice, and, and they have no what, idea what's going on. I mean, they paid thousands of dollars already, and they're about to be kicked out on, on the street. So we did some investigation and, and figured out that this actually happened to, to about six other people in the Gwinnett Barrow County uh, area, area. And luckily, we were able to, to get him served. And, and throughout this whole process, just, just we had an incredible amount of evidence. We had a court hearing this past Thursday uh, and the judge did award one hundred twenty-five thousand, based on, and that, a lot of it was punitive damages, based on the fact that uh, it was so intentional and so fraudulent. Um, so, so that was kind of a big win for for us and our clients as well. And I know from working with uh, uh, attorneys uh, uh, that 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 is not just Jeffrey Jackson leading that charge. You know, you and I had a conversation earlier this week on the phone, and we were talking about how attorneys, um, you know, are propped up, I mean, I'll throw it out there, by, by such great support staff and the people that do a lot of legwork, like uh, paralegals and, and, you know, other attorneys too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I want to, to thank uh, all, all my staff for this. I want to thank Ben, Gene, and Molly for the, for the hours that they put into this, this case because I, I wouldn't have been able to do it without them. Uh, specifically, Molly, my paralegal, she, she kept my head on Molly. straight for this whole thing. Go Molly. And Ben, of course, referring to uh, Ben Brubaker, managing partner. Yes, well. my, my partner, Ben Brubaker, he helped with all the real estate uh, issues going on with all, all, all the housing questions that I had. I mean, it, it was a real team effort. It, it wasn't just me. It, it was everybody here at Jackson and Brubaker. And a big win for you, too. Hey, man, thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for your insight and for uh, clarifying uh, and having a conversation um, about something that a lot of people are talking about right now. And that is. Uh, employers that could mandate uh, their employees to take the COVID-19 vaccination. Hey, man, we'll talk soon. Take care. And uh, thank you as always for your time, Jeffrey. Okay. All right. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Bye, Donna. Thank you. All right. Jeffrey Jackson with the Jackson Brubaker Law Firm. Thanks for uh, being on the panel of experts. Yeah, it's great information. My Second Act podcast. I had a phone conversation with uh, Donna from Gallery Furniture uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact. And uh, we were talking about the big event, the red, white, and blue all-American parking lot party chicken minus Lee Bryce. Right. Now, Lee Bryce, let's be very, very clear. That He's Lee Bryce still not is coming. not going to be at the, at the no. Red, White, and Blue All-American parking lot party yeah. celebration. Uh, Gallery Furniture, Saturday, June 26th. Come on and join us. 1600 Browns Bridge Road, Gainesville. So Donna from Gallery calls me because we're having Pico's hot dogs. She says, hey, have you talked to, to Pico's? I said, yeah, I have. There are, yeah, he's on the books. He's ready. He's very excited. He, he was out there when we did an event at Gallery uh, back in February, March. Listen, could you call him back? I said, sure, Donna, why? I want him to do tacos this time. Oh. And I said to Don, I said, but can he do both? She goes, I don't know. Could you find out? And if he can do both, let's have. Tacos and hot dogs. The hot dogs wrapped in bacon with avocado. And 
let's do tacos. I love that. I said, I ask, but what if you can't do both? Let's do tacos this time. I yeah, said, I love that. Listen, Donna, you're in charge. Yeah. Anything for you. Hashtag ask for Donna. No kidding. And here's the thing. We should keep this organic guerrilla marketing theme going. Okay, if you buy furniture at Gallery Furniture and you tag us and show us your receipt, then Caddy will come out and meet you and help you load your furniture up. Or if you're getting it delivered, he will ride on the delivery truck to bring it to your home. I love this theme. Some restrictions apply. What are those restrictions? We'll get to that. Okay. Whether it's a living room set, a sofa, sectional, love seat, recliners from $2.99 at Gallery Furniture, they've got something for you to check out, something that you're going to want to add to your home, to your apartment, to your condo, maybe your second home, a vacation home. Or if you have kids, how long have they been home from college now? Maybe three, Too four. Long. Okay. But they've been home for like two, three weeks. Uh, you know that they're going to go back in the fall. And if you were to say to your kids, listen, we think that we're going to get you a new, uh, we're going to get you a, a, you know, a new sofa and sectional for your apartment. Uh, but you have to go back. We're going to, it can only be shipped to your apartment at school in July. Yes. So that way. We need you, to go back a few weeks you, early. Th- yeah. See what I'm doing there, Don? Start to get settled. Yeah. The recliners at Gallery Furniture, there are more. Uh, it's a 16,000 square foot showroom and warehouse. And they are, these recliners, they are lined up like jets at Hartsfield. Uh, just row after row after row of recliners. Tons of bedding options too. Ask for the Wolfman.com gallery furniture. And we cannot wait to meet you and personally hug you and shake your hand. And uh, thank you for, for supporting the podcast and our sponsors, Gallery Furniture. A nine-year-old found $5,000 and his family returned it to the owners. What would you do if that was your nine-year-old? Uh, I, uh, I, I don't know about that, Donna, but I can tell you that if I were an adult right now and I found $5,000, I would not turn it back in. Okay. That's that, the truth. It's no, the that truth, is though. bad karma. But it's, but, but it's the truth. I'm being very, very honest with you about this. Okay. Here is uh, the clip for you. On the My Second Act podcast. I was cleaning my dad's car out, and then when I looked under the floorboard, I found a package. I look, and I look at him, and I just run inside. Hmm. I start calling my wife. Hey, hey, babe, you got to come check this out. And that's when we dump it on the bed. Just money falls out all over the bed. I immediately thought, I need to find out who this belongs to. That is not what I would immediately thought, seriously. And I'm, yeah. I would mean, you have told me you found it? Mm-hmm. Probably not. Well, thank God for old Landon Melvin. He sounds like such a sweetheart. Landon's a nine-year-old guy. That was his dad. He found that money. Not me. $5,000. There was a story last week I saw where there was a family vacationing in Orange Beach, Alabama. And they're on the beach walking. And suddenly, like $10 million of cocaine floats up. I saw that. What would you do with that? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Golly. I mean, I got excited reading the story. I'm like, can you imagine if like $10 million of cocaine floated up, just landed right at your feet? I mean, you're walking down to, what's, what's this, the bar? <coughs> you're going to the, the floor, floor Bama. Bama. <laughs> you're going to the floor Bama, and you just think you're going to have some whiskey or some beers or some frozen hurricanes or something. Bushwhackers. Next thing you know, you have been up for two weeks. Not me. And have wound, and, and you have found, you are now in Kansas City, Kansas or some shit, you know, just because it's just a blur. Not me. I mean, I would, no. Uh-uh. <laughs> you wouldn't see or hear from me for days. Okay. This is taking a turn. I mean, really. I'm talking about if, if I were 25 years younger. Of course. Yes. All right. Charlie bit my finger. Remember the kid from, um, uh, it was he and his brother, and they were from, uh, from uh, England, I believe, right? Yes. And this was a viral video. Um, check it out. I'll give the audio here. Then we'll talk about what's going on. Oh, Charlie! Oh! <laughs> Charlie! That really hurt! 
Charlie bit me. Mm. And that really hurt, Charlie, and it's still hurting. 883 million views on YouTube since it was posted originally back in 2007. I think that was like the original kind of like video, video that got YouTube going. Here's why you are seeing uh, that video again in the news right now, Charlie, and on your social media feeds, Charlie bit my finger, is because the classic viral video, the NFT. Now, WTF is an NFT, and we're going to pull executive producer Carl Appen uh, for this conversation, but uh, the NFT of the video has been sold for $760,000. What does that mean, Carl? We don't well, understand that means it. That, that somebody got a lot of money and somebody spent a lot of money. And the person that, that, that spent that money, they're anonymous. Like the, no one knows who they are at this point. But what is an NFT? What, what, what's this about, Carl? Donna had a good way of looking at it, uh, I think, yesterday when she was talking about it as, as business cards so it's, or, or uh, baseball cards. So similar to copyright, but very different, each digital asset, whether it's like a picture or a podcast or an article or you know anything like that, it's basically like the NFT or non-fungible token is like the serial number for that asset. So you're not buying like the rights to it, you know, the actual picture or its usage or anything. It's sort of like it's it's barcode. And the fact that there's only one barcode for each item is what makes people think that they're really valuable. So there's only one barcode assigned to the Charlie Bit My Finger video. And that's what that person bought. What do they do with it? <laughs> Nothing. Another example. Sell of, of, of NFT sales um, in the past few months is when Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey sold the first ever tweet as an NFT for $2.9 million. Yeah, but it's like, like you said, it's not like you, so it doesn't, it doesn't keep someone from posting looking the at the video or posting the video. You basically just own a one of a kind item. Item. As we talked about yesterday, this is for people who just have a I, lot listen, of money. If you have three quarters of a million dollars to spend on a Charlie bit my finger um, NFT, reach out to me because I have some things that you could invest in. That we, would be, oh, yeah. yeah but that would be much more lucrative for you I mean, and make just, a lot yeah, more sense. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense to And me. as we sit here right now, I don't know what those things are. Yeah. I, I, I will, quick quick sidebar, are you familiar with um, what happened with the Wu-Tang album and Martin Shkreli? No, do tell. Five or six years ago? Do tell. So long story. Do you know who Martin Shkreli is? Yes, so I don't. He was a DJ. He's his no 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 his his um his nickname in the news was like the like the bad boy of of pharma. Oh yes, so this, this guy. Is the guy. He was in the big headlines because it's a it's a much longer story than this. But he basically, ran all the he, prices up. He was running a pharmaceutical okay. company that was buying pharmaceuticals and then jacking up the price, which is what all of them do. But he was you know kind of caught in the limelight for doing it. Long story short, he's. He bought, so the, the Wu-Tang Clan released an album, and instead of trying to push it out and sell as many copies as they can, they said, we're selling one album, one copy of this album. Who wants it? Martin Shkreli bought it. How much? I think it was, I was trying to look that up. I think it was like two, two point something million. Good Lord. But the idea is that nobody has that album. I can't pay my so, light bill right now. You know, and how, there are people that are spending 2.2. The, the question is, how much do you think Wu-Tang would have Made. made had they not just ah, right. a lot more than that right but it was probably like the buzz from it and they would have had to work significantly harder you know you have to go through all the different yeah you got to work and that guy but that weekend. guy didn't have to worry about it because he sold lipitor which only cost mm -hmm. ten dollars to people for two hundred dollars a prescription yeah 
and PS, uh, the Wu-Tang Clan is currently in the possession of the FBI because Martin Shkreli is in jail. So mm-hmm. it was seized. So somebody is playing it. it. Thank you, Carl. I love that, Carl. Uh, Pod Peeps, Jennifer Cox, thank you for uh, your support of the My Second Night Podcast. Uh, she reached out to me on Facebook, the Cadillac Jack Facebook fan page. Have you seen these? LOL saw on Facebook and it's beaver nuggets from Bucky's. Okay, I did see those. And when we talked about Bucky's, I called beaver nuggets, but I thought they were um, like cheese balls, what like cheese puffs. Cereal or it's cereal. Okay. Thank you. We Jen. are taking a trip. Ben, well, Pod Peep, Ben Mayfield follows up a lot of, 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 of legs about the conversation from. Uh, few podcasts to go about Bucky's. Bucky's, if you're just getting here, but and, and I do want to acknowledge that people listen to podcasts in different ways. You may be a brand new listener to the podcast and you're starting with this episode. And that's why we have to reset some things sometimes. Uh, but we were talking about Bucky's, which is, uh, 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 I mean, gosh, what's the Plinko statement for Bucky's? I mean, it's just a big ass store. Yeah. Like with 180 gas pumps. Yeah. Uh, ben Mayfield writes, uh, there's a Bucky's in Houston County, Georgia, below Macon. It's worth a trip. And I responded and I said, I'm afraid, Ben, that this is going to be our summer vacation for 2021. We're going to go to a freaking Bucky's. I mean, if they could put a pool in and you could make a day of it, that'd be smart. Reach out at ATL Cadillac on Twitter. Instagram is dark right now. We'll deal with that uh, here soon. The Cadillac Jack Facebook page and the podcast text and voicemail line 770-464-6024. Our thanks to executive producer Carl Appen. New episodes on Tuesday and Thursday of Cadillac Jack, my second act, part of the Appen Podcast Network. Jeffrey Jackson. Hello? Jeffrey Jackson. This is Jeffrey Jackson. Oh, crap. I'm sorry, man. I dialed the wrong number. Who'd you call?